The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Get Dressed. It's your host, Liv Perez. I am on such a high right now. I feel like last week was so much fun. I honestly had a blast rebranding this podcast and seeing all of you respond so positively to it. It was such a thrill, and I'm so excited to be here. I said something actually earlier in the week where I you know, had just rebranded the podcast. I had announced it on Monday, and then I turned 30 on Tuesday, and I was like, for the first time in a long time, like the real self and then like the digital version of myself. I felt like they were aligned for the first time in a really long time. And I actually didn't realize how like sticky that was before. I didn't really feel like I was like fully caught up to the person that I am today. I felt like I was kind of carrying a little dead weight, like something that I wasn't feeling like was fully evolved or as evolved as I am right now. So I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling very light and just so excited to finally be here. Well, last week was obviously fun. It was also chaotic. I launched Rebrand, turned 30 flew to New York, got ready for New York Fashion Week, hosted the Today Show on Friday, did a style segment for Valentine's Day. If you haven't checked it out and are looking for some good inspiration ahead of Wednesday, go check it out. And then now I'm in the midst of New York Fashion Week. So it's been chaos, but I love chaos and I thrive in that. I feel like I'm good under pressure and I'm one of those people who psychotically loves to be super busy. So it's been a fun week and I'm really happy to be sitting here decompressing and doing a little AMA with you guys today. After the rebrand last week, I had a lot of you reaching out to me in my DMs asking really interesting questions about, you know, what it takes to launch a rebrand. And obviously, I tied the rebrand so closely to, you know, the last decade of my career. So I had so many other career questions come in, like how I got into fashion or where I think podcasts are going to be and all that stuff. So I thought it would be a good idea to do a little Ask Me Anything for today's episode. There were so many amazing questions that I got. I can't answer them all. But I am going to answer the ones that I thought were most interesting and most valuable for this community. So if you didn't get your question answered, I always say this, please feel free to DM me. I'm so happy to answer if it's, you know, a very pressing, dying, urgent question. I'm so happy to help. So feel free to slide in if your question didn't make it. And before I dive in, I also just have to say a huge, giant thank you to all of you. Last week, again, was just so many warm fuzzies. I felt so supported by the community in launching this rebrand. And again, you don't really know. I didn't really know. I was like, are some people going to not get it or question why I'm doing it? And it was just met with so much love and support. So thank you guys. And again, very excited to be here. Speaking of the rebrand, let's start with the first question, which was what was the process behind actually doing the rebrand? I love this question because it's very technical and I feel like I have really built a community of a lot of brand builders. So for those of you listening who are building brands or love watching brands rise and are curious about this, I'm very happy to answer this question. If you're interested in more of like the thought process behind the rebrand, definitely go listen to last week's episode because I dove very deep into, you know, how it sparked for me, why I wanted to do it, how I kind of evolved in my career and was ready for that point to do it. I think one of the first things you have to do is really look at your community and do a lot of research, ask them questions, engage with them online, engage with them anywhere, wherever they are. And and that point for me is Instagram. So engaging with you guys and understanding what you're liking and what you're interested in and how I can be of service was kind of step one when I felt like I was ready to rebrand the pod. I think the biggest driving force behind this rebrand was not even like what my own desire was, but it was like looking at what you guys have loved and what you guys are gravitating towards. And I've always said in whatever I've been doing that I've always just really wanted to be of service in any way, whether it's through fashion or through 
you know, positive energy on my Instagram, whatever it is. Like, I just always want to be helpful to somebody else. And so I think after a while, I got to the point of realizing that friend of a friend felt like it wasn't in sync with the daily conversations and what you guys have been coming to me for on my Instagram. When I first started friend of a friend, I had friend of a friend, the blog, and that was a little bit more of a lifestyle platform that then pivoted into a podcast where I was interviewing people from every corner of the internet. So dentists, artists, singers, designers, like everyone under the sun. And while that was so great for me to like creatively explore and of course learn from amazing people, where the show eventually ended up kind of narrowing out was this amazing community of diehard fashion lovers, just like me, which is actually why I got into this industry to begin with. So I always lead with that. I always lead with passion and what people are interested in. And I think anytime you're thinking of doing a rebrand or like creatively restructuring something, it has to come from that. It can't come from this desire of like, oh, I want my new aesthetic to look like this. Like I want to be that person. I want to be that podcast. It has to genuinely come from like, how is this going to be of service to the community that I've built? Not alienate them and isolate them from something they've loved, but actually feel like a natural progression and feel like, okay, we've actually already been here. Like this doesn't feel so stark and new. Like even today's episode and, you know, the episodes to come like aren't going to feel like a sharp left. It's just going to feel like a natural progression and it should make your audience happy. And I, I felt that from a lot of you guys. I think it's so important to keep so much of the same fabric in whatever the rebrand is. For me, I wanted a new name. I wanted a new cover. But there's so much of the show that's still there. Like me, my cadence, what we're talking about, like that thread has to still be there so that your audience still feels connected to what you're talking about. And again, whether it's a podcast or a brand or whatever it is you're working on, I think that's a really logical first step. It's like, meet your customers where they're at. I wanted to meet you guys where you're at. And I felt like friend of a friend was no longer where we were at. Keeping it in the podcast space, I got another really great question about where I think podcasts will be in the next five years. You know, if you asked me this maybe six months ago, I probably would have given you an answer, something along the lines of like, oh, you know, when podcasting blew up in 2020 and 2021, you know, everyone and their mother had a podcast because it felt like that thing that you needed to do during COVID to like captivate your audience. And, you know, now that we're like a few years out of COVID and people are realizing like how much work having a podcast really is because it's literally like having a weekly show and it is and it's so much work and so much maintenance. And if you don't really love it, I could see so many of those people dropping off. Now, that is still true. I do know a lot of podcasts that I used to listen to that simply don't exist anymore. And that's just because people realize the workload. Maybe people realize it wasn't where their community was at. And that's totally okay. I am all for throwing pasta at the wall, seeing what sticks, understanding that, you know, that's not where your audience is at and making a sharp pivot. I'm all for that. But in that same thought, when I used to say that, I would also say that I wouldn't think that we were going to have a lot more celebrities and personalities starting podcasts. Like, I almost thought that bubble had burst where I was like, okay, like we've hit this plateau. Like, there's not going to be any new greats. We kind of have our greats. And that's where the industry's at. But, you know, recently I've changed my mind on that big time. I've actually seen a lot of personalities who I love start podcasts and really make a name for themselves in the space. Like, Jake Shane, for example, who I love and I think is literally one of the funniest people in the world, he had mentioned to me that he was doing a podcast. And I was like, you know what? 
That makes so much sense. And I actually cannot wait to listen to that show. It's called Therapist. He brings on a ton of his friends, famous or not. And it's so, so, so funny because he's so funny. I also just saw on Instagram that Tina Lurng and Tamu McPherson, two of my favorite people in fashion and in life, are starting a podcast together. And I'm so excited for that because I love both of their styles. But I also know them personally and can say that they are two of the most like thoughtful, soulful people. So I know that those conversations are just going to be so incredible. And so I think that I just think it's going to keep going. I think it's going to keep growing. I think it's going to shapeshift a lot. And again, that's not something that I would have said six months ago. I would have thought that we were like, you know, we hit the peak. We did the thing. Like everybody started the podcast and the people who hated it have now gone. And, you know, if you were going to start it at this point, you would have started it already. I also think with podcasts, we're going to see a greater shift beyond just audio. While I love to listen to just audio, like I listen to my news podcast in the morning while I'm on a walk, I do think that YouTube is going to continue to like really thrive in the next few years. I feel like a lot of the vloggers that I used to love and watch, a lot of them stopped vlogging. Like Emma Chamberlain, for example, Claudia Slusky, for example, like a lot of them kind of dropped off a little bit and stopped vlogging. But I think it's kind of on the rise again. I think people are turning back to YouTube because they're looking for another platform that feels more intimate. It's becoming a way more impactful platform again, especially for creators who have never been on there before. It's like an in-between of TikTok and Instagram. It's like a long-form intimate experience that's really good for creators who want to build cult followings because, again, it's so intimate. Like TikTok's really quick. Like you've got a limited amount of time to like get your point across. And Instagram just doesn't feel as intimate as any of those other platforms. So YouTube really gives that in-depth look into your life that I don't think you get anywhere else. And because of that, I also think we're going to see this marriage between podcasts and YouTube that like if there's not a visual component to your podcast, it's not going to thrive as long. I think it's not just about the audio medium anymore. It's about all the other things that you do with it, making sure you're sharing it on whatever your social platforms are, making sure you have that YouTube presence. The visual presence of it is almost more important than the audio at this point. I've had this pod since 2019 and I just love this medium. I love that you feel like you're just on a call with a friend and it feels so comforting, but educational. I mentioned it last week. Like it really feels like the safe space for me to talk about the things I'm interested in and the things I know you guys are interested in and be of service to a community. So I love this medium and I'm so excited to see it continue to grow despite my prior beliefs. I got a great fashion week question, especially because I'm in the midst of it right now. Someone actually asked, how does fashion week work? And I love this question because I feel like if I wasn't someone in fashion, I definitely wouldn't get it either. It's like you see all the runway shows, you see content from influencers, all walks of life sharing from every single show. Everyone looks so glam and beautiful. But then there's also like mechanics of it. Like why are some people at some show and not the other? There's a lot going on. So I totally understand why people ask this question. So Fashion Week happens twice a year, happens in February and September. And it's actually fashion month because we go to four different cities, New York, London, Milan, and Paris. There are shows, but then there are also events. So brands who may not be showing during the time will do like an activation because they know everyone's in town. And it's just a really good moment to support whatever initiative that they're working on during that time. So that's why you see so much content. Not only are there shows, but there are also 
of usually events at night going on throughout the week. So the brands that are showing right now are showing their collection for fall, winter 2024. So six months in the future. So everything that we're seeing right now, we're going to start seeing hit stores like end of summer, early fall. Definitely confusing. I hate this cycle of fashion because it just feels so counterintuitive, but I am not the fashion god and cannot change the way that things work. I'm just going to give you guys a little bit from my experience. So for example, let's do like Tory Burch, for example, whose show I have gone to since 2017, the first fashion show I ever went to and is a partner that I just love and admire so deeply. She's someone whose creativity is just like out of this universe to me. So I'm always so grateful to be at her show. So whenever a designer shows, they obviously want to fill the room with people that are, of course, in line with their brand, but are also people in the industry who want to see the collection. So of course, all of the editors will be there. All the buyers will be there. And then friends in the house, like celebrities and influencers will be there. Now, not every influencer and celebrity just gets to go to any show they want. They have to be specifically invited by the brand. And what I really love about this, and I think it's my favorite part of Fashion Week, is actually seeing all the shows and the different extensions that designers invite to their shows. So as I was saying, not everyone gets to go to everything. I'm not on brand for every brand that's showing during Fashion Week. And again, I love seeing that because every brand has a really interesting melting pot of people. Sometimes front row, I'll see a chef or an artist or a musician. And it's great to see that designer's kind of iteration of who they feel is an extension of their brand. And it's always really cool for me because I feel like it kind of deepens my understanding of the brand or maybe changes my perception of them in a really interesting way. So celebrities and influencers will go to the show. They'll wear looks from the brands, hopefully post about it. That will drive sales for the brand. But also, again, this moment is big for that brand because one, it brings a lot of press, but also this is the moment where they are setting trends and ideas for the rest of the season and most likely the year to come. February Fashion Month is also particularly fun because we have the Oscars and a few other award shows coming. So it's actually so fun to look at the collections that come out and think of like, who's going to wear this look on the Oscars red carpet? So it's all intertwined. It's so much fun. It's such a fun week. When it comes to influencers and celebrities, definitely not a like one size fits all. Everybody goes in their own way, whether they're getting paid or not paid, just want to go to support, are just big fans of the brand. There's really no one size fits all and it's all situational. I really love Fashion Week. I know that some people get really overwhelmed by seeing it on Instagram, but I have always thought that it is an amazing week. There's so much creativity. The fashion community really comes together to celebrate designers and just the industry as a whole. So I've always loved it and had a really, really great time. And also, if you're in fashion, it's just so much fun because you get to see all your friends. Kind of feels like summer camp, seeing people, you know, for, you know, for the first time, maybe after the summer holiday or the, or the winter holiday. So it always feels like a really good moment to get re-inspired and excited about what's going on in the industry. And yeah, I often get asked by a lot of people, like, how do I get into Fashion Week? Like, how do I start going to shows or how do I start working Fashion Week? And I say a lot of designers are actually looking for interns and assistants just the week of Fashion Week, not like a semester-long internship. A lot of them are just looking for that week. And it's a great way to get your foot in the door. It's a week long. Maybe you can skip a class. Don't tell anybody I said that though. But like, it's a great way to get your foot in the door, get really hands-on experience and grow from there. So definitely keep an eye out for those ads. A lot of the times I see them posted on the brand's Instagram. So make sure that you are following the brand that you love, hoping that you can 
maybe get your foot in the door there. Also, I always love a good pitch. Feel free to send cold emails. I do it all the time, and it truly has made the world of a difference in my career. The cold email is the most underrated thing in the world. You never know where it's going to land. Make them short and sweet, not too wordy. Don't send like a multi-page resume. Keep it short and sweet and show your value. Also, one last tip. Fashionista is always posting new careers in the fashion industry. Check it out. It's a good spot, and a lot of designers often turn to them when they're hiring. Next question. Someone asked my opinion on Zach Posen becoming the new creative director of Gap, which I am just so incredibly excited about. I am absolutely thrilled about this. And it was actually amazing. A lot of you DM'd me asking my opinions about it, which I loved. You know, I love a little fashion dialogue in the DM. So feel free to DM me anytime if you are curious about something. But I love this choice. For those of you who don't know really quickly, also, Gap Inc. owns a lot of brands that we know and love under it. So that means that he's also going to have his hands in brands like Old Navy, Banana Republic, and Athleta. I know for sure that he is going to be the chief creative officer of Old Navy as well. Not sure yet what is going to happen with Athleta and Banana Republic, but I really hope that he gets his hands in Banana Republic. Because if you've been a fan of the show for a while, you know that I am just a massive fan of Banana Republic right now. They did a major rebrand last year. And I don't know when the last time is that you walked into a Banana Republic store, but it literally feels like walking into like Banana Republic meets James Purse. They have furniture now. It's like a very like relaxed, cushy experience. And then the clothes also really match that aesthetic. Like the clothes are amazing. I send my fiance there all the time. We had multiple weddings last year and he was not loving the suits that he had. And we went there and he got three amazing, amazing, amazing suits that are so handsome on him and a couple other everyday basics. And they are my favorite pieces in his closet. I actually featured one of the pieces I made him buy on the Today Show last week because it's just so good and I need you all to have it. So huge, huge, huge fan of Banana Republic right now. Both men's and women's wear is so great. So would love to see Zach Posen's twist on that. Now, I know a lot of you are probably like, wait, Zach Posen did the most glamorous, incredible couture ready-to-wear of all time. We're talking like Met Gala, red carpets, some of the most incredible construction and craftsmanship that I've probably ever seen in my entire life. And that's what I looked up to Zach Posen as growing up. Like, I was devastated when his brand shuttered because I felt like he really was one of the last remaining brands for women that was making clothes that felt like something I would watch in a movie, which makes perfect sense because he also, fun fact, for those of you who are watching Feud right now, the Capote and the Swans, Ryan Murphy show, he is the costumer on that show. And I have been hooked on that show. I am obsessed with it. I cannot wait for Wednesdays. And I think the main appeal for me is that I am absolutely positively just googly-eyed whenever someone walks on the screen and is wearing something just so, so, so beautiful. And it's actually changed my style. Like, I feel like I'm dressing like Naomi Watts in Feud, Capote and the Swans recently because it's just so beautiful and classic and chic and put together. And it is something that I just love to see. And that is Zach Posen. And what I think I really like about it is that he went for that exaggerated Zach Posen ethos. Like that's what it's always been. It's always been an exaggerated hip or a beautiful corseted back. There's always been something so extravagant, but effortless about Zach Posen. And that is exactly what's happening in Feud, Capote and the Swans. 
please go watch it. It's it's so, so, so good. And if you are a fashion lover, it will completely teleport you to another time. But so back to Yap. I am so excited about this because when I think about Zach Posen, I think about really good construction. And I think of thoughtful fashion. At its core, sure, it was glamorous and maybe aspirational and unachievable, but at its core was meant to make you feel so good and so beautiful. And it makes so much sense to me that that's why Gap Bank would bring on someone that is going to like curate American fashion. It's to me, I feel like he has the opportunity to do what Jenna Lyons did to J. Crew, which is make it classic, make it everyday, but really bring that like cultural taste level to Gap and its brands. He's going to reinvigorate it. He's going to like kick the dust up and make it incredible and different. And sure, we're talking about Gap jeans and the white tee, but I cannot wait to see what he does with that. Like he's an artist with a blank canvas right now, and I'm so excited to see the finished product. I also think that it really creates a different narrative for designers in America today, not even America, around the world. I think there was a lot of dialogue last year when Alessandro Michele left Gucci, like, oh, what's he going to do now? Like, where is he going now? And even more so when Zach Posen's brand shuttered, like, what's he going to do now? Now what? And I love how this is creating this like non-linear path for designers that sure, his brand could shutter, but now he's going to be the person that completely reinvigorates this like household American name. And I think he has an amazing opportunity to do that. So I'm very excited for this next chapter for him. I cannot wait. Again, I think that there's so much synergy between the two things. Despite the fact that maybe aesthetically it's different, I think that the principles and the ethos is all there. Next question. Do you have any looks you regret? Oh my God. What an insane question, you guys. This is actually a really good time to bring up a series that I'm excited to share with you guys in a few weeks. It's going to be called Fashion Faux Pause. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to call in and leave me a voicemail that I'm then going to play on the show. You are going to tell me about the worst fashion moment you had, maybe something from when you were younger, maybe something you wore, and we're going to talk about it. And this is coming up because I have talked about this a few times on the pod, but I feel like we are really trained to cringe at looks from our childhood or from our teens or whatever. And I want to reshape that. Like, let's talk about these cringe looks and like find ways to like have admiration for it and like respect the journey of fashion. So that's coming soon. I can't wait. Start thinking of your ideas of what you want to send in for the fashion faux pas and the crazy moment that you had. I can't wait to discuss them. But yeah, I guess maybe we can talk about a fashion faux pas I had that was kind of recent. I'm not going to give you guys any timeline. I'm not going to tell you when, what brand, or what season this was, but I'll tell you exactly what happened. And this haunted me for weeks. Like, actually maybe haunted me for months. I definitely learned from this mistake. But so I was going, it was during fashion week, and I was going to one of my favorite designer shows, and I was wearing this gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous dress that I was so excited to wear. Went in for the fitting. They like custom fit it, which was amazing and doesn't really happen as often for creators like me. Sometimes they'll just send me something, but to be able to go in and have a tailor there fixing it is the best thing ever. Like actually the best, most luxe thing ever. So I was so excited. The dress fit me beautifully. And we were in kind of a dimly lit room, not a lot of fluorescence. So loved the dress, was like, great, take it home. Let's go. I was staying in a hotel that was kind of dark at the time. This was a few years ago. And 
I put the dress on. I was so excited. It was such a romantic dress. And I was like, this is going to be epic. Like, I can't wait to wear this. I feel beautiful. This is one of the best shows during fashion week. So I like scoot my little tush outside. I like got this like beautiful dress on. I'm feeling so confident, you guys. I like walk out of the car. I'm like at the show. It's really early and it's one of the best shows. So like everyone and their mother is there. I'm like doing little street style shots, feeling so confident. God, I hate where this story is going. And I hate that I'm telling it on the pod, but here we go. But so I get to the red carpet of the show. I'm like posing, whatever. All of a sudden, one of the photographers on the red carpet, keep in mind, I'm in front of everyone, the PR, the brand people, a bunch of other photographers I don't know, some street style photographers. A guy yells, we can see you. You're naked. I mean, what would you do if someone yelled that to you in public and you had no idea you were naked? So here I am, frozen, literally frozen. Like, I am paralyzed. I'm like, I, what does he mean? What does he mean? Like, what does he mean? And he was like, we're shooting in flash. Like, your dress is sheer. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I left the house in a fitting, left the hotel, and didn't realize that this dress I was wearing was pretty much sheer. Keep in mind, it was really flowy, and it had like a bunch of layers to it. So like I, when I had it on, I didn't think that people would be able to see through the layers. There was a lot of bunching, like a lot of like flowy layers, whatever. I'm going to take full responsibility for this because I should have definitely like maybe shown a light on myself, or maybe even just like turned around and looked in the mirror. But again, fitting in a darker room, hotel dimly lit. So I walk into the show. I obviously like got myself together, composed myself, like sat down, made sure I was fine. But yeah, ended up seeing a photo of myself where like literally everything underneath was showing. Thank God I had like undergarments on that like were nude and like looked fine. But yeah, definitely a nip slip moment and definitely a moment where I learned to just triple check my work, guys. <laughs> like make sure if you're ever like, you know, getting ready for a big thing, like lighting is really important. Make sure you walk into your bathroom and like do a little turn. Make sure you go into your living room mirror, do a little turn. Don't make the mistake that I did because it haunted me for so long. Thank God those photos aren't anywhere. But I definitely felt embarrassed. And that was my big fashion faux pas. It was so terrible. It was in front of a lot of people that I knew. So I'm sitting there being like, oh my God, can everyone see my boobs right now? Like, am I it like can Anna Wintour see my underwear? I was freaking out. You know, actually, it was a really good lesson learned for me to like take a breath and like move a bit slower because I'd been moving really fast that day. And that's when the things happen. You know, you're like, oh, my God, it could have totally stopped this from happening if I just took a breath, maybe woke up 30 minutes earlier, like and just composed myself a little bit more. So, yeah, guys, sheer dresses. Maybe we should just stay away from them. That's what I've decided. But also like it's fashion. A nip like a nip slip. It's fashion these days, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait to hear some of your fashion faux pas. And you guys can probably tell I still like I'm nervous about this story. So I can't wait to get to the point till we have like acceptance about our weird fashion moments and the crazy things. Can't wait to like talk about some crazy things I wore in high school. That's going to be a fun one. Let's do a quick one. Where do you get all of your closet essentials from the basics to organizing your closet? So two places I'm going to right now for my basics. Mango is a hit right now. I'm loving what they're doing over there. It feels good quality. It feels high fashion. It doesn't feel as fast fashion as shopping at Zara. And I really like what's going on over there. Just bought a really cool jacket from them that feels very fashion forward. And I'm loving their affordable basics. I'm also a big Aritzia girl. I have been shopping there for years and go to them for everything. Undershirts, trousers, a good blazer. Like they're just like the home base of good everyday wear. So if you're on the hunt, definitely go there because it's just, it's always good. Like 
even flying to New York, I wore a pair of their like really comfy soft trousers and a hoodie, but then also packed a bunch of amazing things from them, like a gray blazer, a beautiful black dress, like really, really good basic layering pieces that you can pair all the other like maybe nicer things in your closet with. But I love Aritzia so much. And again, for basics, it's a little bit of a higher price point, but I can promise you with every fiber of my being that spend a little bit more on maybe the black trouser from Aritzia than the black trouser from Zara. And you're going to get way more wear out of the Aritzia trouser. I've had mine for like five, six years plus and absolutely love the brand. In terms of closet essentials, I'm an Amazon girly. I'm going to put together a little list for you guys. Someone actually asked where the clear dividers are that I divide my bags. So I'm putting it in my link right now. If you go on my Instagram, I did an Amazon essentials list of closet amazing pieces and you can find everything there. A lot of you have been asking and I've been slacking on that. I'm really sorry. As I mentioned, chaos has been upon me. So it's there now. You're welcome. Last question to close this out, which I really want to answer because I feel like it's a good piece of advice for anyone in any industry doing anything. Someone asked me how I got my shot on the Today Show. And I'll tell you guys the story. And it's one of my prouder moments because I'm such a big believer in networking and fostering and nurturing relationships with people who you love and admire and you know will support you back. I got on the Today Show because I met my producer for the show years and years and years ago. When I was in college in New York at NYU, I took every odd job I could possibly get. I worked for a designer at night sometimes. I worked for stylists on the weekend sometimes who were based in LA and couldn't deal with their clients in New York. So I would go do their fittings for them. I had like proper internships. I was all over the place. I really just wanted all the experience that I could get. Being on a Today Show and doing live television of any kind has always been a dream of mine. I thrive. I have so much fun. I love connecting with an audience that way. And it's something that has been a lifelong dream. So I always, anytime I got the opportunity to be there, I went, no matter what the job was. Interning, styling, modeling, just going as a friend and being able to like get in front of this team, I always put in that much effort. So the first time I was actually at the Today Show, I was assisting for stylists who were based in LA. They were styling Chrissy Teigen. And it was my job to kind of go and make sure she was dressed and everything was good. So I went with her to the Today Show. Obviously, it was like transfixed. What an awesome bucket list moment in New York. And met the team for the first time then. A few years later, I actually ended up going back because a friend of mine was doing makeup on the show and asked me to be a model. And I came back and did that with her. And it was so much fun. Then I actually went back maybe a year later because one of my best friends was on the show and he invited me to come with him. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go see maybe if I can meet people there and see if they remember me from that segment. And while it wasn't something that I immediately was pushing for, I really value this idea of putting yourself in front of opportunities that you really want, even if it's not going to happen in that moment. I love that quote that says the day that you plant the seed is not the day that you get to eat the fruit. I'm a big believer in that. It's not always going to happen all at once. You really, really, really have to put in that time and effort and nurture those relationships and grow with the people that you love. And for me, so much of my career now I get to work with so many people in my life who I really came up with in the industry. And that's because we all valued and nurtured our relationships with each other. I made such incredible friends there. And my producer actually now, and I started as friends. She's someone who I absolutely love and admire. Her work ethic is incredible. And she's just so smart and so cool. And she was the one that actually eventually asked me a little while later if I wanted to come and do a segment. So I'm now going on my sixth or seventh segment. I actually have lost track. And 
I owe all of that to my incredible producer at the Today Show who really believed in me and really pushed me last year to do my first segment. I was very nervous, very, very, very nervous. And she really believed in me. And that's because we had a genuine friendship and she knows who I am at my core. And she genuinely knew that I could do it. And I'll never forget walking off that stage and the smile on her face. And she was just like, yep, I told you. And I think the best relationships like that really come from a place of genuine love and friendship. And so I really encourage you all to put yourselves out there, network, nurture those relationships in a real way. Don't make them transactional. Really care about the people in your circle because those are the people that you're going to grow with. Networking and really building my community of people in the industry has been one of the most invaluable things that I've ever done. No matter what it is, like if someone invites you to a dinner party and you don't know anyone, go. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know the friends you're going to make. You never know the person you're going to sit next to that that might come like full circle down the line. I even remember the first internship I got, the Teen Vogue internship, was because I had moved to New York and a family friend invited me to a dinner and I ended up sitting next to a girl who overheard me talking about me wanting to be in fashion And she was like, do you have a resume? I have a friend looking for a job at Teen Vogue. And I was like, yeah, I do. And I like put it together for her that night and ended up going on a bunch of interviews for Teen Vogue and got the job. And I'm so glad that I like put myself in the position to be in these places that sure might have not felt comfortable always because maybe I didn't know a lot of people, but I'm such a yes girl and I'm such a believer in putting yourself out there and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations because once you do that and you get past that uncomfortability, the reward of that is always 10 times greater than being uncomfortable in that moment. Maybe you make a new friend. Maybe you make a new connection. Maybe a new door opens, whatever it is. Always say yes to the opportunity to putting yourself out there. All right, guys, this was so much fun. I love how thoughtful your questions are. And I love, again, being able to kind of reflect back on my journey and be able to pull the gems out that might be helpful to you guys. It's so much fun. It's very rewarding for me, but also so helpful for me sometimes to talk these experiences out and see what I can relearn from them myself. So hope you all have an incredible week ahead. I'm in New York till Wednesday doing a few more shows, and then I'll be back in LA for a little bit before heading off to Paris. Very excited about the week ahead. And I can't wait to see you guys again next Monday. Next Monday is an interview that you will not want to miss. Bye, guys. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.